Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host, Tim Picararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Hello and welcome to Uphill Conversations. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm Tim. And we're glad you can join us as you are living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So, Tim, how you doing today? I am doing, I'm doing very, very well. Yeah? And I appreciate you asking me that. Like, I'm in a very happy place. <laughs> Like good. Yeah. I mean like I feel like I got to go to the playground today. <laughs> like you know when you see a kid all happy? Like I got to go down a slide. Got to swing on a swing. Didn't merry go around. You know, I put my hands in things I shouldn't. Like, oh, that's not your that's not my food. Those are my chips. I'm eating them. You know what I mean? You ever see that? You ever been at a park and you see a kid eating somebody else's food? Yeah. What are you going to do? Take them? Yeah. Or it's like when we were at the airport the other day and Della all of a sudden had a cookie and we were like, where did that come from? And it's like slow motion. You're reaching for it. And all of a sudden it's like in her mouth and you're like. Where did that come from? Okay. Well, I guess you just ate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the kids don't get sick when they do that. Oh yeah. Germs for kids. They're not, they're not aware of it. I think, I think if an adult does that because we think about it and you didn't, then you do it, we get sick. You know why? Because we're aware of it. So could it be, is that a possibility that if you're Uh, unaware, you don't get sick? Kids can change. Have you seen kids in a room? Kid pulls something out of his mouth, hands it to his friend. You know what I mean? Like they're like toddlers in a room. It's like, oh, you want some of this? Oh, sure. They'll eat it. They'll eat anything. And me, I can't even have someone. I, when someone I see someone dip their chip in my cheese dip. Yeah. My first question is, did you double dip yeah. that? That's first. Well, and the worst thing about that is people think like if they dip one corner and eat it and flip it, but like their no, finger has been on that. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> I've Who? seen it. No. I've seen it happen. That's like I've seen happening. it happen with carrots. Like they'll dip one half and they'll bite it and then they'll flip it. Because okay. they think oh, I'm not double dipping. Uh, Their fingers are all over it. Okay, so let me tell you with my consciousness of germophobia. <laughs> here's how I do it. I dip. It's so how I get a big cheese dip. Right? Yeah. Got some friends. We're at a restaurant, pop us some beer. We got a big bowl. Yeah. Big bowl. I mean mm-hmm. huge. I'm like, bring me a big bowl. Cheese dip. <laughs> So here's what I do. I get a side of rice when I ask for a side of rice, too. So here's how I control the urge to treat the bowl like it belongs to you and you only. Okay? Okay. So what I do is I take the chip. I get a full chip, first of all. Make sure there's no, like, possibility of finger dipping. Mm-hmm. Anything. Grab your end. You dip it in. When you lift it out, then you take it and you dip it into your rice or something. You scoop that up. You eat the whole chip. But here's the thing. Whole chip has to go. You have to eat the entire chip. I don't care if half of it's dry. I don't care if you didn't get dip on all of it. Or get a spoon. Yeah, put it on and, your plate. And pour it, or even yeah. hold the chip in your hand and very elegantly pour the cheese and cover the whole thing. And then you can suck it off the fingers. But make sure that's not the fingers that grab a new chip. You have to, it's the clean hand. You have to keep, the clean hand has right. to be the one. So do you understand it's what like I mean? It's like when you're frying chicken, you got like your egg hand and your dry hand. Correct. See, I think we have just, okay. We've, sol- we've solved all world problems all right All world now. problems off of cheese dip and yep. um, chips and no double dipping. <laughs> and kids that I do believe that they can get away with germs because they're not aware of them. <laughs> So this is episode 49. 49, I know. Yeah. We're we're getting closer to one year. I know. It's the one year. Two episodes away. Two. One episode and then one year. In one year. Yes. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. One one year. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm so grateful. It's like, it's so cool. I'm I'm just like a happy guy. No, it's great. And I mean, our last interview, we, I mean, that was a great interview that we had um, with Richard Barrett. And today um, we have another great guest. It's Jim Palmer. And he is a marketing and business building expert. He's an author, uh, podcast host, a coach, um, and founder of Dream Business Academy. So he's doing a lot of great things, serial entrepreneur, and I think just a really down to earth guy. 
He's going to, yeah. And I think if people listen into this and just take some time and hear what he's saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just business, business, business stuff. He's like really just like, wow, this guy's talking about shifts in his life, things he's overcome, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how it's like applied through like where he is today, you know, what he's going through and how it's happening and how he's applied these life lessons into these new steps he's taken. And it seems like to me, because I've had conversations with him before or two, and I had one that, you know, we'll air sometime later in a snippet area or a, a full episode, but he, he just seems like he's getting better. Mm-hmm. Like just happier. Yeah. Like full, more, more joyful. Yeah. You know, and I th- already thought he was feeling good mm-hmm. about himself, mm-hmm. but Hey, I um, have this question for you. Okay. Okay. You can call this a, would you rather question? <laughs> Okay. okay. Or this is just a choice of you have a choice. So which is still be would be would you rather? Okay. Right? So let's just say, would you rather have skin that <laughs> changes color based on your emotions? Oh boy. Or tattoos that will appear all over your body, depicting what you did the day before. <laughs> I'd rather have color changing skin. Tell me why. <laughs> well, um, I'd be very colorful. <laughs> so like my daughter, she like everything she colors is rainbow. So she would love it. She'd be like, oh, yeah. mom, what color are you today? You're yeah. like blue. And I don't know, like maybe I could be multiple colors at the same time because like shifting emotion. So that'd be cool, right? Yeah. It'd be like a wave of like one color to another color. I And yeah, I mean, I just... Um, you know, sometimes you make silly decisions and I wouldn't want to have to walk around wearing that all the next day. I'd much rather be like present in my emotion. Oh, that's very, very good answer. Present mm-hmm. in your emotion. Yes. That's really good. But mm-hmm. wouldn't that be cool though to see people like, you could walk around, you would know. that if People, <laughs> if like everybody in the world only had two choices and yeah. had to pick which one. I know. You'd be like, there's a person full of color and ooh, let me see your tattoos. Oh, you went skydiving yesterday? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have done that. That's a bad yeah. choice. yeah. Okay, yeah, keep, put that shirt back on. Don't, <laughs> if you could see what's on your back right now, you, I don't think you want the world to know that. No, you do not. Yeah. See, with the colors, I guess it leaves people room <laughs> to kind of know, you know, if it was blue, like, what does that mean? Right. Right? If it's red, yeah. like, mm-hmm. who are you mad at? But right. you don't have to tell the whole story. So no. you're right. I think, I might do what you did. I think I'd go with the colors. Yeah. Just colors. Yeah, that's colors. what I do. Wasn't that colors, colors, <laughs> colors, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so before we jump into Everything this episode. Everything leads into a song. I, I know it does. Um, before we jump into this episode, just a reminder, we have uh, five episodes now live of our new UCYP podcast, uh, where we really focus in on young professionals. And um, if you haven't checked it out, please do. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher. And of course, you can find it at uphillconversations.co slash UCYP. Um, So check that out. Also, um, check out what Tim and I are doing with Uphill Strategies. Uh, You can find that at uphillstrategies.co. And of course, we always love to hear from you. So if you have ideas on a topic that you'd like us to riff around on, or um, if you would like to be on the show or know somebody who would be a great guest, please remember to send them our way. Yeah. And to do that, it'd have to be Megan at uphillconversations.co or Tim at UphillConversations.co. Also, find us in the Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't go crazy on Twitter. We don't. We only try to share what we're doing mm-hmm. and pass some good things along. But that is um, at Uphill Combo. And mm-hmm. then our Facebook page is Uphill Conversations. Correct. So, hey, without any further delay, let's jump into this really cool interview with this guy with a whole new world of living his life on a boat, Mr. Jim Palmer. Welcome to Uphill Conversations, Jim. How are you doing today? I am great, Megan. Thanks for having me on. And hello, Tim. Hello there. Long time no talk to, but <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Round two. Yes. Round two. So, uh, Jim, we are really excited to have you on the show today. Um, and thank you so much for sending me a copy of your new book, Just Say Yes. And 
As I was reading that book, um, one thing that really stuck out to me is this whole idea that, you know, there's never necessarily a good time or a right time to start a business or to do something new. And for me, I interpret just say yes to don't overthink it. And I think that's probably because I'm a self-described worst case scenario person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was raised that way. I'm, I'm Irish, you know, always expect the worst and hope for the best. So I think I have that natural tendency to court, sort of think things through to the end and then start and move backwards. So in your experience personally and maybe working with people, how would you work with someone with that type of a mentality to suspend their type of thinking so that they can get to that point of just saying yes? You know, it's a really interesting question. So you say there's right time, perfect time. To me, there's go time, right? Um, and, and part of this, I think, is something I shared uh, with Tim a while back on, a, on another show was that, um, you know, part of what makes up my DNA, at least for the last uh, 15, 16 years, is that when I was 41, I, I faced my mortality. I had stage two cancer. And instead of me thinking I've got another 40 years or however many, you know, I suddenly thought I might not be alive in five years. Well, knock wood, I'm, I'm healthy now. But I think part of that was reframing, um, that time is always running out. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the, one of the gifts I got, and I, I, I have it here, you know, we moved on to a boat as, as you know, with the book, but I have my hourglass with me. It's always there. So I can always look at it and know that the sand is running out. And to me, uh, Megan and Tim, that's symbolic of your life is going by. So while you're waiting for perfect or waiting for the right time, or actually waiting until you have all the answers and all the, you know, the I's dotted and the T's crossed, time is running by and you need to jump in. Um, and so there is no perfect time. There's, there's go time. That's a great, that's a great answer. And a lot of people are, you know, it's almost like a way Sometimes you see people use it as, as an excuse that, well, this didn't line up and this isn't right or this, you know, I'm just trying to get up, getting it right. You know, this I got to I got to spend this time in order to have all these things. You know, it's like waiting for the eclipse. You know what I mean? Like how many times has this happened? How many right. times did the planets all line up? Right. So even even in that, even if you know, I don't know about you, but I have literally tried to go outside when the planets were supposed to be lined up, okay? <laughs> and I find myself looking in the sky going, where are they? Where, I'm, I'm, I think I'm looking in the right direction. So even in that, if you're not careful, would you agree that sometimes with you using that um, as an excuse, not having a go time mentality, that you think everything is lined up the way you, you know, it's supposed to be, but then you walk outside, you look up and you go, where is everything? (laughs) You know, what's interesting is that I think one of the things that helps entrepreneurs in general is they get comfortable with the fact that they don't know everything and they don't necessarily know what I might be doing next week, let alone two days from now. But when you know in your heart and your mind and your gut that this is going to be cool, I just don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I'm going to figure it out as I go. And man, I am going now. It's the people who who want to know, okay, what am I going to do in three years from now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when I, I took a, um, uh, some college courses many, many, many years ago, and you used to talk about a three-year, five-year, and 10-year plan. I don't know anybody that talks about a 10-year plan, let alone a five-year plan. Things change so dramatically, you know, with technology and other things, but to, to wonder what you're going to be doing next year or the year after that. And I don't mean like something completely different, but I guarantee something about your marketing, something about your products or services, something about your pricing is going to be different. And it's because things change. And so when I talk about go time, I don't mean haphazardly say yes to everything and just charge off, you know, running, running toward the goalpost without having some sort of a plan. I'm not saying that at all, but what I am saying is you're not going to get anywhere unless you jump. And, you know, one of the titles or things I thought I was thinking for the book was, you know, jump and spread your wings on the way down. Um, now, if you don't spread your wings, you're going to crash. And and honestly, assuming you don't die, that's not the worst thing in, in the business world. I mean, in my sixth year of business, I started a partnership with somebody. I was convinced this was going to be the thing that moves me forward. Eight months later, my partner and I were both $20,000 $20, in the hole and we stopped it. And I didn't I didn't like say, well, crap, there's 20 grand I, di- I didn't have to lose. I said, 
what a great experience. I, actually, to generally say that, probably not right off the bat. <laughs> but in hindsight, I'm thinking, man, I learned so much about research, about partnerships, and all this different stuff. We're still good friends today. But but the thing is, I didn't wait for two years to, for the whole idea to mature. I didn't need to know what was going to happen three months or four months down the road. And, you know, and I think that carries over, like in our personal life, as you know, which was another part of the reason for the book is Stephanie and I, we sold our house of almost 30 years where we raised all of our four kids and we bought this big boat and, you know, I'm running my businesses from my boat. We're, we're traveling on the East coast and, and, and it's pretty exciting, but you know, should I have taken another year and, and maybe taken more courses on how to drive a boat this big, or should we have taken more courses on how to navigate? Well, maybe. And some people may say, hell yeah, you should take five years, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what I'll be doing in five years. Mm-hmm. So we, we said yes, and we're going and we're figuring it out as we go. And I'll tell you, we've had some scary moments, but the cool thing is, I think for the, for us is like the last three to five years have been really good. We've been very blessed in the growth of my business and things. And as when we, when we, um, took our boat from Chesapeake Bay in Maryland up to Rhode Island, where we are now, I've never driven a a boat this big. I've never driven in the Atlantic ocean. I've never been in waves that would make you just want to like scream for your mommy, you know? And, and we did that. And when we got here, it was days when we kept looking at each other. Can can you believe we did that? Mm. The reason I told you that story is people can get very comfortable. And while I, you know, I've done well and continue to grow, it doesn't seem like I was stretched very much because, you know, we all have a, a gift and a talent and what I do seems to come naturally to me. I enjoy it, but I didn't do things that were, that I never have felt fear like I have, you know, in the last three months. And so getting outside your comfort zone, it's a great thing to do. I love what you're saying there because um, in 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 life in general, um, um, I do this little thing with a rubber band where I'll have people in a room and I buy these real, you know, the jumbo rubber bands, you know, the real thick, yes. you know, and I have them stretch it. Over, you know, well, I actually will put it on a clipboard and I'll have like, say I'm in a room with 15, 20 people and I'm doing like some sort of, you know, personal development type um, uh, talk and topic. And so what I'll do is I'll hand the clipboard and say, pass this around the room. And starting from the bottom, you write your name on that stretched rubber band on the very bottom of the clipboard, pull that one off, pass it to the next person. So gradually you get all the way up to the very top. And the last person writes their name on the rubber band and they're the last one to take it off. So I say, now put that on one of your wrists, pick one, doesn't matter. So as I go through all the teaching and all the topic, you know, of discussion, when we get to the very end, I say, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take, you know, whatever wrist that's on, take your opposite, you know, first finger or whatever finger feels more comfortable. And I want you to pull that rubber band and stretch it out. And they do that. And I say, now what's it say? And they say, oh, what's my name? And I say, great. Now let it go. You know, your name's on there, but it's not discernible. You can't see it, but until you're stretched, your real self doesn't show up unless you're stretched. Mm, So will you get a little deeper into that about that stretching, like waves and things like that? What applications have you felt that you've been able to now take that, what that learning is where you weren't stretched, but facing waves, weather, I'm sure navigation is huge. You know, there's so many things you have to think about that you never thought about, but you weren't trying to do it with a perfect world. You were trying to do it to see yourself grow as well. And not just being foolish and reckless, you were taking steps. You did some of those things, but you had to actually get out there. As you said, it's go time. Say yes, let's do this. What are things that, what are some big lessons that you've learned in just even navigating the ocean to go from Maryland to Rhode Island? Well, when the, the first day we went four hours and we got into Cape May, New Jersey at low tide and you follow what's called channels. So it's almost like you take this big shallow area and dig a trough, so to speak, you got to stay in the channel. Well, I actually got maybe even three feet outside the channel because it was a little windy and it, it's, it's difficult because your boat's always moving left or right, not just forward. And, um, all of a sudden I saw my, my depth gauge go from 15 feet to 12 feet to four feet. And I need four <laughs> feet to float and not hit. And I'm yelling at my wife. It's kind of funny. We, we, we laugh about it cause we didn't take it personally, but I said, find me some deep water. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not God. <laughs> yeah. I'm not God. That's great. <laughs> and I, and, but she's looking at, uh, our navigation was going on the fritz a little bit, which we fixed. But so it, the, the thing that worked the best for that moment, our iPhone, 
down and she's looking and moving her thumb and forefinger, expanding. She, okay, just go a little bit to starboard. You'll be back in the channel. And it was kind of humorous now, but when when I, you know, it's a 50 foot boat and all of a sudden I'm going da 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 because I'm hearing my props start to hit the sand. That's a pretty, pretty frightening thing. And then when we got to that dock, again, that was our first time that we, we took this boat out and went that far. And, and we said that was pretty scary, but you know what? Nobody got hurt. Nobody died. We didn't cause any damage and we'll just keep going. And I think in the world of entrepreneurs, um, sh should I try to do videos? Well, I might suck at it. I might, yeah. you know, people aren't going to like my bald head, my fat belly or my silly voice or whatever. <laughs> and, but nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to get hurt. And you just might share some good stuff along the way. And it's, I, I think what, what holds a lot of people back is, is the what ifs. I write about that in the mm -hmm. book and the what ifs come immediately after you get over the romantic part of whatever your idea is. So you, romantic, whether you want to get married or buy a boat or start a business or grow a business, the very idea of it seems really exciting and you get all jazzed. But then the other side of your brain kicks in and starts going, yeah, but what if, and you start playing the what if game. What if it doesn't work? What if, what if I blow all this money and I embarrass myself and my family and you know, what else all, and in, in our world, when we when we made a decision to do this almost a year ago, I started reading a bunch of books from people who have done it and um, to become a live aboard, which is the term when you live full time on your boat. And this one guy, I read this book, I read like six books. This one guy was a uh, an entrepreneur. He was like a, a, a musician and an audio guy, and he ran a little business from his, his sailboat. I got a powerboat. Anyway, he goes, you know what holds a lot of people back is they think about the romantic part of living on a boat. Oh, we'll look up at the stars. We'll just float along. He says it's sometimes it is that, but there's also a lot of work and upkeep and, and things go wrong. And people think, you know, well, what if I run aground or what if I get lost? What if I sink? What if I run out of gas? What if, what if, what if? He goes, yeah, but what if you find out you wake up every day to a new challenge. You figure out what is that pump, how to fix it, where the leak's coming from. You overcome each and every challenge. And he said, what if you do find out you're a badass boat driver and you just have the adventure of a lifetime that you will never have if you do not say yes? And that was really something I read a year ago. So obviously that planted a seed for my book. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment because when Stephanie and I said, yes, let's do this, I think we both woke up the next day and probably didn't verbalize it because we didn't want to scare each other and probably started having the what ifs. And after I read that book, I never had the what ifs again because I know we'll figure it out. Every t And I have learned to do things. I'm not a real handy person. I mean, I can do some stuff. I I'm certainly not an engine mechanic, but I'm learning how to do things because – it's about $120 an hour to hire a mechanic. So I'm learning how to do different things and it feels good when you fix it. But, you know, every day is a new adventure. And, and yes, there are challenges. Uh, we have shorter showers because I got a small hot water heater compared to the <laughs> big one I had in my home. But, you know, the, the trade-offs, and I think that's another part of, of business as well. We have certain trade-offs to, to living on the boat. Obviously, it's smaller smaller than our home. And other things, but yet we wake, we can wake up every day and just go upstairs and watch the sun come up. And we can look at all this amazing scenery. It feels like we're on vacation every single day. So there are trade-offs. Um, and I think that's it's that way in business. When you say yes to growing a business, I mean, some trade-off is probably, I think the first one's going to be, I will have less time with my family. I know that's mm -hmm. that doesn't go with the folks who are, who are preaching work-life balance. I get that. But in the life of the entrepreneur, you know, th there is something to be said for hustle, as as Gary Vee would say. Yeah, and and I think when you're you're talking about that idea of the the romantic idea of something, and I, I think that to a lot of people, that idea of entrepreneurship, they just see you know the picture of that person on a beach with their laptop working, and they think you know I want to be somebody who's in control of my destiny, and they have this great romantic idea of being an entrepreneur, but there's that there's that whole other side of it takes hustle and you're going to have to make some decisions if you want to be successful and you're really going to have to go after it. So I, I like what you said about, you know, saying go time isn't saying, you know, saying yes to everything. You're not talking about that. So with this idea of, you know, being an entrepreneur can be a juggling act between pursuing your dream, building a business, taking time for personal and professional growth, time with family, other social and community commitments. So, 
you know, recognizing that saying yes to one thing means you're going to have to say no to something else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also knowing the value of reading an educational or professional development book versus using that five or 10 minutes to scroll through social media. Um, But, you know, as you work with people who are evaluating and, and maybe even in your life, you're looking at an existing commitment that you have, something that you've dedicated your time to, and you're comparing it to another opportunity. And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's the small, you know, playing small ball versus going after a dream. What what are those best practices that you use to help determine what should stay and what should go? It's a really important part of the book that that you brought up. And it was interesting. You know, I wrote the book in about 60 days, which is the, the last three books. I've gotten pretty, pretty good at and diligent about just getting it done. But I read the thing on about the 15th time I've read it just for going back and forth with my editor. Um, I, I put the book down and I go, it's incomplete. And here I thought we were just doing the final. And I and I told my editor, I need to write another chapter. And she goes, well, why? I said, because I keep getting the feeling as I read this that everybody's going to think I should say just you should just say yes to everything. <laughs> and that's <laughs> clearly not the case. When you do say I call it like the seesaw. If you remember the seesaw in the kindergarten, if you have everything weighted on one side, you know, the other the other kid's going to be up in the air or vice versa. It'll be on the ground, whichever way you're looking at it. And when you say yes to something, you do have to say no to other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned that uh, not only from clients, but in my own business. So um, it's really, you know, and, and uh, sadly, I think family does take a backseat. That's why when I started my business, you know, my youngest girls, they were, th- they were 13. So they were already kind of working and my boys were older than that. So I honestly don't know how some people do it when they have young children. And, um, I was on a show about six months ago and the person was actually talking about work-life balance. And I said, listen, that's great. And I know it's more than a soundbite. It should be something you strive for, but I want to give you, I just want to give you some reality. Cause I don't like, you know, just painting a pretty picture. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, suppose you have a business, you maybe you're two years in, you're doing well, you're supporting your family, but you're really trying to get to the next level. You've made a personal commitment to yourself that you're not going to miss any ball games or, or ballet recitals, whatever that might look like. And it's a Thursday night. It's about quarter or five. You're getting ready to check out because you're going to make practice and you're feeling good with yourself. And the phone rings and it's somebody, it's a, it's a potential client that you've been nurturing for like a year just back and forth, sharing some letters you haven't met yet, but you know, it'd be, it would be a game changer for your business. Okay. And the person says, Oh, let's, Hey Jim, it's Tom. I'm, I flew into town this morning to meet with somebody. I was going to, I'm supposed to jet right out, which is why I didn't let you know I'm in town, but uh, my flight got canceled. So I'm here till tomorrow morning. How would you like to have dinner? And let's talk about how we might be able to do something together. Now, given that scenario, somebody you've been developing, trying to develop a relationship, are you going to say, gee, sorry, I got my kid's ball game? Now, mm-hmm. that there is no wrong answer, by the way. It just depends on how you're going to structure your life. But I would tell you, for me, if I'm an entrepreneur and this is a game changer, the very reason I started a business was to create financial freedom for myself and time freedom and, and also help help my kids with their college and, and weddings and our own retirement – I mean, that would be pretty difficult for me to go to the little league game and say no to that opportunity. So, again, I don't, I don't want to be uh, getting a bunch of hate mail from the, <laughs> no, <laughs> from, you the from the balance side of things. But that, that's the reality when you are a business owner, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we we agree with that. I mean, I'm a work life blend person, and so you know, I think we've got to learn how to you know, how to fluctuate, you know, things change. I mean, I don't know about you, but, um, most of the things I try to control never work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I've tried it, it doesn't work. So maybe there's other people that can, and they can just, you know, have that hardcore, no, 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 no. And everything works out for them. But, you know, you said something, I think that's really good. You know, that, you know, you have a goal, you have a vision, but I don't think, you know, Jim, that you're doing that on your own. I think you were including the people in your life in that, I believe that you sit down with them and tell them why you were absent from the ball game, even though mm-hmm. you were at 10 others, right? Mm-hmm. You were yes. the, you were in the previous 10 games and you missed the 11th, okay? So I feel like it's that, it's the interaction, it's the connectivity, it's, it's having a shared uh, vision and a shared goal as to why you're doing it. It's not you leaving your kids out there in the cold to try to discern and figure out what it is that dad is doing and why is it more important. 
I feel like there's a follow-up part to you or even a, let me go ahead and preemptively have this discussion as to why. And also, I believe there's a part of you that you've already been demonstrating it. You've been showing it. And so that helps. So how can you speak to people about that? Some of the practices that you have that you personally brought into your life um, when it comes to helping others understand why Jim or dad or husband or friend is not available. It's a really good point. I th- it's a really, really uh, valuable conversation. So I do believe your kids will see everything, hear everything. They're going to retain everything. When I started my business, um, you know, I struggled. My first year was revenue free. As I, as I say, it took me a year to get my first paying client. I ended up getting a job at Target working like 4 a.m. to stock and shelves to put hey, food Jim, on before, the table. Before you go any further, I love how you say that. My first, it was revenue free. <laughs> that sounds so like, it sounds beautiful. It's revenue like free. <laughs> <laughs> I never tell like, people I got fired. I say, my job was eliminated. <laughs> yeah, it's, my first year was revenue free. Oh right? my gosh, that was so palatable. I was sitting there. I, I, got, I think I felt the bile come up in my throat. (laughs) But on month 12, I got my first client and they came in succession. So everything I was doing was working. It just, it needed, like, if you're going to grow, if you want a big harvest, you got to plant a lot of seeds, take care of them. Mm -hmm. But that's another story. But what I told my kids while I was busting hump, getting up and working at 4am, going to networking events at night, chamber meetings, everything, falling into bed, did that for like a year and a half. And I, I would tell my kids that, um, I am going to be very successful and, and I, you, you can put, you can take this to the bank as Brenda used to say, I don't know how old you are. We'll see if that one flies. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. I said, I'm going to be making a lot of money someday, but I want you to remember what I'm going through right now, because sometimes we look at people who are successful and go, Oh, look at them. How lucky they must be. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, I want you to, to just always remember what I'm doing right now. And actually I did it five or six years till I turned the corner and, and so when, when I do, uh, make some money and it does appear life is a little easier, just remember what I went through. Now it just so happens. Uh, I believe you both know my daughter, Jessica Rhodes, yes. and she really was observing things cause she started her own business yep, yep. and she's really doing well. So kids do see that. So that's number one. Um, number two, I, I actually, um, counseled, uh, a good friend of mine who grew a very successful business And I think he fell into the trap just a little bit too much on the other side and was like never there. And he was sharing that with me. And I, and I said to him, I won't say his name, but uh, I'm going to say Richard, not his name. I said, Richard, if you say to me, yeah, but I'm doing it for the family. I said, I'm going to hurt you (laughs) because you, if you're doing it for the family, you can't work for 10 years, 15 years. So you can do it with family because next thing you know, you're going to have a heart attack. You won't be there. So there has to be some kind of balance. All right. So you can't just say doing it for the family. So like you said, if, if I miss that game on, uh, on Thursday, because I meet, met with that client, I might do something really fun and extraordinary on Saturday, like go camping, boating, or do something which is out of the ordinary and say, Hey, sorry, Mr. Game, let's make it up. So you're right. There's got to be a little good for the bad. One more thing on this topic. This is when I started writing books in 2009, I wrote a, a book almost every year for six, seven years. Um, I, I was already work. I mean, I, you know, like most people early on, I was working like 80 hours, just busting hump and, but I knew I needed to write a book, but I always tried, um, to end my day, you know, around six o'clock. And if, if we had an hour of dinner, or even if we were just in together in the kitchen, the kids are doing homework, whatever, just to be present. And then they go, they go to their room and talk on the phone for all hours. (laughs) But I wanted to be present during family time, whatever family time looked like. And so when I decided to write a book, I didn't want to take out I couldn't take out during my day because I was busy as heck with my business. So I, instead of getting up at 5 a.m., which was kind of my norm, I set the clock back and I got up at 4 a.m. And I did that for, for you know, at least a couple months. And when I get up at 4 a.m., that time came out of my time, my sleeping time. It didn't come out of family time. It didn't come out of my current work situation, if you will. Um, and so I'd, I'd get up and I'd go to my computer. I didn't turn on Facebook. I didn't turn on the TV. I didn't even listen to music because I didn't want my mind to be humming to a tune. I just opened my Word document and I started pouring out. And I did it for a couple hours until about 6 a.m. when, you know, either Stephanie or my kids would start to rise and that would distract me. So I did that for at least a couple months straight, literally six days a week. Um, and that's how I got my books done. So I was able, if I needed to find extra time, I did it out of my time. And believe me, I, I watched almost zero TV 
for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting. We actually had um, someone on the show a, a couple, um, maybe a little over a month ago, uh, and she is actually, you know, she, she'd call herself a time management expert. And she talked about this whole idea that, you know, everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. Everyone has 168 hours in a week. It's just how are you going to use that time? And one thing that is really similar in what you're saying is that whole idea that you have that time where you can be really present with your family and with your loved ones. And if you give that really quality time, it's going to mean so much more than if you are trying to spread your attention between them and something else and them and something else. It's just not going to be as meaningful. So if you have that presence and that time with them, then it actually is much more impactful and and it can actually be less but be more meaningful. So so I, I really, really like that. Um, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper in, into this whole idea of, you know, relationships. And I think that Tim brought up one one thing you have to find some balance, especially if you do have a family and you have other people in your life that that you're responsible to on a relational level. Uh, you mentioned that and you say in your book really like criticism or opinions of other people. The, the only ones that matter are those of your paying customers. So as you're building a business and if you're yet to have any paying customers, you're, you know, as you said, revenue free. Um, mm-hmm. How do you keep your head above water if you're feeling the weight of opinions and commentary from maybe your peer groups, your loved ones, and, you know, e- even if it's very well-intentioned, you know, how, how do you get through that? Well, first of all, um, when I make a comment about the opinions that matter, I'm talking about in the things that have to do with your business. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of lean on marketing because that's where I learned the lesson. Early on when I started, uh, after I learned internet marketing, and grew my first business. And then I was exhibiting at different shows and I'd start creating some, you know, I would guess you might call them eye popping marketing. There was one, one thing I did, it had a uh, picture of a toilet bowl with like hundred dollar bills in it. And I said, stop <laughs> flushing your marketing dollars down the drain. And then I did something on the other side. I was so proud of that. Right. And I, um, I showed my wife when she got home and she goes, I don't like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> kind of like Raymond. I don't like that Raymond. Right? And you right. were, so. and you were in love with it. You were like, this <laughs> oh, is my, good stuff. It, here's the thing. It burst my bubble because I was so proud of it. Now I went with it anyway, because I am, I'm a trained marketer. She is highly schooled. She's a, a early childhood development expert. If you want to know anything about kids, you ask Stephanie, but I learned not to go to Stephanie for things in which she did not have expertise just because she's my wife my greatest supporter, my fan and everything, um, doesn't mean she, she can render good decisions or, or even opinions on things of which she doesn't have expertise. That's mm-hmm. really where the funny story is when I, when Jessica started her first business, and of course I helped her a great deal. And I remember helping her get her website going, uh, came up with a great headline. I don't even remember what it was, but when she showed her husband, Jamie, who's very educated, he's an attorney, he's got a lot of schooling. He goes, that's not grammatically correct. Uh, <laughs> and she shared that with me. I said, no, it's not, but it will stop the eyeballs and get them to look at your website. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that's what I mean by that. Now, the broader subject of, of having a thick skin and being, uh, you know, not uh, cringing when there's criticism uh, there is an expression, which is the higher up the flagpole you go, which means the more success you have, the higher up the flagpole you go, the more your butt's going to hang out. So there will be plenty of people to take pot shots at you. <laughs> but it, but here's the finished part. It's OK. The view is better up there. So yeah. if you're going to do anything and acquire any kind of, um, you know, celebrity and I mean, you know, not Tom Cruise, but within your own with your own within your own niche or community then there will be people take shots at you. I get, I get shots. Well, not that many, but certainly every, a couple of months, people take shots at me for stuff I say. And, um, I have this expression, gross is for vanity, net is for sanity. And I have some other things. Uh, don't let, um, oh, here's one that got me. It's uh, I have an expression that says, uh, don't let, oh, don't let lottery ticket thinking slow your growth, which means if you even buy a lottery ticket, that is telling your brain there might be an easy way out, right? right? So there's different things that you have to do to master your mindset. Somebody took me to task for both of those and how ridiculous, do you know, there are blah, blah, and then started, they quote stats. You've seen all the stuff on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my God, somebody's got a lot of time in their hands. But the point of the matter is the people who do that, 
they're going to engage with you. They're always going to be out there. But those are the people who have time to do that because they've got nothing going in their own life. Right. And I don't mean to be mean about it, but that's generally generally what happens. So um, when I say the only opinions are the ones you're paying customers, uh, if my customers like what I'm doing, um, I will do more of it. Mm-hmm. If they repel and don't like what I'm doing, I will change course. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's hope. Hope that helps you out there. No, no that's it's, great. That's great. Um, so I do know, you know, um, your story in in uh, with stage two cancer and overcoming it and being very healthy. Uh, you have the boat. You know, you sold your house. I mean, it, it, I think it's great. I love the story. It's like. Um, it's funny when you first told me when I, when we did our interview, um, last year, <laughs> which is great. And you were telling me about the boat and you were bringing up that like, Hey, we're going to live on a boat and we're doing all this <laughs> stuff and blah, blah, blah. I was sitting there, you know, it went by, through my mind, just sit right back in the tail, tail, tail. I was like, this guy's going to be like on Gilligan's Island <laughs> like, I was like, yep. because you told me, you, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm learning some stuff, but, but anyway, I, I, I beyond the boat and the, you know, what you went through with cancer, which I think is amazing. And your story is powerful. And I think people need to learn to not die from diagnosis and there's mental deaths, physical deaths, emotional Mm -hmm. deaths. There's a lot of it spiritual. Um, and you, you exemplify that. And I do appreciate that because there needs to be more of that in the world and what the, what, what I believe God's created human beings to be able to overcome and it's not insurmountable. But, you know, our show is Uphill Conversations, and one of the things that we like to tell people is your current condition doesn't match your emerging future. And anything worth having is uphill. And like you said, even the flagpole, when you go up, yeah, there's more exposure. That's what's going to happen. But you get on a hill and, you know, just imagine riding a bike. You can get tired. Some, you know, you, you may want to turn around and go right back down to the bottom. That's what people do. Or they look for some kind of shortcut or they're just waiting for a downhill thing. Well, any, if it's downhill, it's a downhill habit typically. You know, your climb is your climb and you just need to embrace it. You need to learn to have fun. You need to have relationships. You know, you know, partnerships that are going with you. You're going to have to learn. You may have a wreck. You may not shift your gears properly. I mean, you know, you can get tired. So with that in mind, what's an uphill challenge that you've had recently that you've had to overcome on on the hill of where where Jim is going and um, not only what you know what is the challenge but tell us what you did to overcome it so I got a good one to share with you but first I gotta tell you a real quick story because I love the what you just said um, about the downhill and would you say embrace the embrace the challenge yeah yeah so when I, you know, I do an event called Dream Business Academy. At my last one, I saw, th- I saw this picture and I got an idea. So everybody, when they came into the room, had a packet of wildflower seeds at their chair. And about a half hour into it, I explained the wildflower seeds represent potential. Everybody's got potential. I think everybody is born with a, a God-given skill or talent. Everybody's got potential to succeed, but you've got to go through some stuff for that to happen. So, and I said, listen, you could have that pack of seeds unopened on your desk for years, literally decades, and they, they're not going to rot there as long as you don't open the package. But once you open the package, you know, then it's go time. So I want you to think about what happens, that little packet of seeds, which costs all of 69 cents, but it can produce this field of, of beautiful wildflowers. When you, when you, First, open that packet. You've got to stick the seeds in the ground. So suddenly, those little seeds went from being happy-go-lucky seeds with all their friends. Now they're separated and they're stuck in the dirt. Next thing you know, they got water coming down on them. So now they're in the mud. It goes to nighttime. It gets a little chilly. Next thing you know, the the farmer or whoever goes away, and and the sun comes out, and you're baking hot, but you can't see anything. You're still in the dark. I'll fast forward for the sake of our show here, but and you go through so much stuff, and then all of a sudden, with a little more rain, a little more sun, you you start. Start cracking the shell and you start coming up and all of a sudden you feel the warmth of the sun and literally a couple days later you're a, a beautiful beautiful wildflower and you look around and you go hey there you guys are yeah for that for that field of wildflowers to happen first of all you got the packet which represents potential but you got to go through a lot of ugly uncomfortable steps for that to happen it's the same thing for an entrepreneur. If you got struggles, you've got to be willing to go through some crap. You got to get in the mud. You're going to get <laughs> cold and hot and scared and sweaty, and you're going to be fearful. But you have you have to embrace the challenge, as you say. So I thought that was a pretty good way to um, to to uh, tell that story. Anyway, mm-hmm. the greatest challenge that I've had, honestly, in the last ninety days, is um, overcoming 
uh, doubts that I have about driving a 50 foot boat in a crowded marina with, with very expensive boats around me. (laughs) And, you know, a marina is kind of like a townhouse community. They pack them in. There's no room for error. You know, when I pull my 50 foot boat out of the slip, what they call the fairway, which is the little waterway. And on the other side is another whole row of boats. It's 60 feet. I've got no room for error to come out and spin and, and head out without doing damage to my boat or somebody else's. <laughs> and, and because my boat is so tall, I'm very subject to the wind. And it, so if there's um, my rule from about 60 days ago when I really first started was if it's over 10 miles an hour, I'm not going out because when I pull out, that wind will just blow the boat. And if you don't get control of it quickly, it's not pretty. I'm now graduated to about 15 miles an hour. <laughs> and I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've ever carried a piece of plywood or worse yet, a mirror, a big mirror, like maybe from your driveway to the house and a wind kicks up, mm-hmm. that's what it's like in the boat. And we've actually invited people down to our boat and I say, sorry, we're going to, we're going to have to stay here. We'll enjoy a good view and food and stuff, but I can't take the boat out. And I could see disappointment on their face. And of course my wife's looking at me all disappointed, but I'm the one responsible. And, but anyway, how do I overcome that? I have to keep facing my fear and, and I just keep going out and doing it and practicing. Um, yeah, I don't know if we're connected on Facebook, but about two weeks ago, uh, we had some friends out and it was nice. It was only like 12 miles an hour. But when we got back to the Marina, it was about 15 or 16 and I was backing in the slip and uh, the wind caught me and I got a little discombobulated and the right rear corner of my boat, which is the swim platform, hit the corner of the dock and I cost $800 worth of damage. Oh, I mean, it's just a fiberglass. It's kind of like a fender bender in your car. Right, right. Um, but you know what? I, 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 I had it fixed and uh, I'll move on. But, you know, so how did I overcome that? I'm still overcoming it. But I, 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 the only way that I will get better at docking in the wind is to keep docking in the wind. And it's, it's like that way in business. Your each little success that you have builds confidence and it lets you do more and more and more and more. And I think that's really important to remember that whole idea of facing your fears, because it's not just like you have one fear and you face it and then it's all roses after that. I mean, you're going to continue to face different challenges and it's that whole idea of being stretched. And if you're not stretched, you're not growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. So, you know, get out there and and face your fear and keep moving forward and and growing. And that that leads really nicely into into another area that that I wanted to cover with you, Jim. In your book, um, Just Say Yes, you do the first chapter is about your journey. It kind of gives us your background. It lays um, some groundwork for us. But then you dive into this chapter where you talk a lot about forgiveness. Mm. And forgiveness isn't something that I've seen many people lead with in writing books, especially on entrepreneurship and going after your dreams. And I think a lot of us, most of us realize the importance of facing our fears, failing forward, not holding on to regret. But share with our listeners a bit more on, on why you place such great emphasis on forgiveness and what that means to you. First of all, Megan, thank you for reading my book. I mean, this is such a fun interview because I'm not getting the standard questions <laughs> where, they, where they talk about the chapter titles. Tell me about the chapter So thank you very much. Um, so first of all, I'm going to answer your question, but I got to tell you a little secret. This is So if you haven't written a book yet, this is what you want to understand. Most people, this has been tested. I can't cite the scientific data, but my editor said most people that buy a book, they don't get past the first one third. So you have to put all the good stuff up front. <laughs> now, so anyway, that's why I, I kind of put that up near the front because I think it's really, really important. Hold on a minute, Jim. I'm changing my chapters in my book right now. <laughs> <laughs> just, just reshuffle them real yeah, quick. Yeah, I'm doing that really quick. <laughs> okay, proceed. Do, a lot of people do write a book either chronologically. They think, okay, here's where you go, and then you just keep building up. No, you gotta you gotta really hook them in with the really good stuff up front so they'll stay engaged, and then you can keep sharing the the meat and potatoes, so to speak. But you can't hold the good stuff off until the end to leave them with a warm, happy feeling because most people won't get there. Well, you know, so anyway. you know, it's funny that you say that. And this is a whole side note, but it's a little rabbit trail. Let me go with you a little further. Um, Seth Godin, who I love, Seth said, you know what? You know how you can shorten these, you know, when you get an RFP and, you know, and, and someone says, hey, you know, give us a quote back, whatever, and answer all our questions and all that. Seth Godin says, here's the way you should do it. 
put the price right on the front page. <laughs> the next page, say all the things that you're going to do, who's responsible for what, and then go ahead and fluff it out with all the in-between jargon and language. Because everyone's going to flip anyways to that very back page. That's right. So it's the same thing. It's like you can get more done if you get people and then let them read at their leisure. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. So, you know, one of, there's an expression, if you're in the coaching business, the coach uh, learns more than the students or the teacher learns more than the students. And, um, you know, I never had any uh, psychology classes or anything like that. I just have good conversations with my clients. And about two or three years ago, I started noticing this somewhat of a, a common theme amongst a few of my clients where they knew the right thing to do, but they weren't taking action. There was one client, actually it was at this point of the conversation, a potential client who was interested in, in my high-end coaching program, and we must have had two or three conversations. We both knew it felt right, but finally I said to her, what's what's holding you back? I mean, just be honest with me. Tell me what's going on. And this person said, Jim, uh, up until I met you, I have probably spent the last two years $40,000 trying to get my business going. Uh, on, on, on gurus, on coaches, on programs, on seminars, on home study courses. And I'm no further along than I was two years ago. And I can't get over the fact that I've wasted $40,000. And this person said, I really want to work with you, but I'm, I'm afraid that if I invest that kind of money, it's just going to be one more year and, and a little further in debt. Mm -hmm. I said, first of all, I, I won't talk you into anything. You, I think you want to do this, but let me tell you what you can do to move forward, Okay. I said, you have to forgive yourself. She goes, what? I said, w we are very hard on ourselves as people, but entrepreneurs are even harder on themselves for anything they do that doesn't work out. Like um, whether it's an actual mistake you make with a client or it's a lost opportunity that you, you said no to an opportunity. It turned out, man, I should have done that. Or whether you did invest with somebody who, who just promised you a six-figure business in 30 days, turned out to be a charlatan, and you know, guess what? You're out whatever money you're out. Mm -hmm. I said, we all have instances like that in our lives and in our past. But in a way, as unpleasant as those are, that may, that may those experiences make us who we are today. So I said, you have a choice right now. If you don't move forward, and I said, whether you move forward with me or anybody else, you make that decision. But if you don't move forward and, and try and grow your business, then what's going to be on your, your headstone or your epitaph or whatever is going to be the life that you have right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I don't mean anybody's going to, you know, write in your uh, obituary, Hey, she wasted, you know, $40,000 <laughs> in two years, but, but neither did you grow a successful business and help a lot of people. And, you know, there's this very, I, I write about, and there's, I actually made a chapter I'm, I'm in my book. It moved me so much. There's a rapper, his name is Prince EA, and he's doing incredible motivational videos. He did one and he said, um, the, the upshot of it is you can't change your beginning, but starting today, you can create a new ending, right? So one of the things that um, I, I actually learned this at church, but I kind of made it a, a, a little more secular as I work with my with my clients. I said, you need to write down on a three by five card what it is that you feel bad about. The, the, it's, it's like a grudge, except it's with yourself or something that's holding you back. Write it down. One thing, two things, five things. And then you you have to do something physical. And I say you can either burn it, stick it in the fireplace. You can put it in your barbecue or your bonfire. You can cut it up when it's to little pieces with your scissors and then dig a small hole in the backyard, stick it in there, put the dirt back on and step on it. And then you have to say it and say it out loud. Don't just use your internal voice. I want your ears to actually hear your voice. It's more powerful that way. And then you say to yourself, I forgive myself for these mistakes and I will never think about them again. They will no longer hold me back. And starting right now, today, I'm going to move forward and build the business of my dreams. And you can make up whatever language you want, but that's what I told this person to say. And I've done that three times with people who I, I have come to figure out had real resentment for their, for their own issues. And all of those people have moved forward. And it's like, you know, when, when, uh, when I became a Christian, I learned a lot about uh, forgiveness. And one of the things I learned was that forgiveness is much more about you than it is the other person. So in this case, you know, we're thinking you, you want to forgive somebody who's wronged you, but it's more about you even when it's you, right? So mm -hmm. if you forgive yourself and let it go, um, you can then move forward. And I thought, 
I, you know, Megan and Tim, I actually had to, I had to think about that. Do I want to include this in this book or not? And I, mm-hmm. I actually, to me, it's like, like I said, when we started, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything you want. I thought that was so powerful. I wanted to include it in the book and I, I pretty much wrote it like I just described it to you. Yeah. And I think that it, it's amazing to me how powerful that can be. And it, it's how powerful those things can can be the chains that we put on ourselves um, because we can't we can't forgive ourselves. And I mean, I think it's the same thing with even being able to forgive other people. It's if you carry those things around with you, you know, and I know a lot of people use this, but it's just it's trash in your head. It just gets in the way of you being able to think clearly, to move forward and really to look at things uh, from a different perspective. And um, I just I think that that's great. And I think that um, that forgiveness can be incredibly powerful for, for the person who is, is giving it. And especially when they're, when they're giving it to themselves. Um, so Jim, we've really enjoyed having you on the show today. Um, there is one more question that we really like to ask our guests. So, um, we would love it if you could share with us three things that you are optimistic about. They can be business or personal, um, over the next 12 months. Three things that I'm optimistic about. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's not the what's the one thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to give you the no. You you're not no. We're going to give you three as an opportunity. The, the one thing you would have to give up something. So three that gives you a little roundabout. You know. Okay. Well, I'm going to answer. So the question I gave you about or answered ten minutes ago. I'm very optimistic that I'm going to become a better boat driver than I am today. <laughs> Captain Jim. Captain Jim. Captain Jim. <laughs> I'm very optimistic about the overall economy. Um, I am seeing some amazing things that, and I, I, I am not a news person, so I am feeling, and I talk to some really smart people and I'm seeing things in my own business. And I think if anybody's been sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to maybe get better, you, I would jump in now. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to tread into political waters, but I think the economy in general, I think the 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 atmosphere for the entrepreneur and small business owner is has is going to go through this amazing period um, of uh, rebirth, regeneration, whatever a big word I could think of, but it's going to be very very good. Um, and something else I'm optimistic about is that the relationships that I have, the ones that are really important with me, are going to continue to improve because I've spent a lot of time um, building my business. And I'm, I'm not going to say I was a bad father, husband, grandfather, anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I charted a course three years ago that I that said by this time I want to be working three days a week. And um, I've, I've created that business. And. By very nature of us being on the boat here in Rhode Island, we're seeing my grandkids, which up till, you know, we really saw them maybe three or four times a year, holidays, things like that. We see them almost, you know, three or four times a week. Um, there's just, and, and and Stephanie and I are, are, we've been married 37 years. We've always had a good relationship, but we really, by necessity, we're functioning as a team, which is pretty cool because I can't drive the boat myself. I can't even see the back of the boat when I'm driving it. So we have these <laughs> we have these wireless headsets. She tells me, hey, you're getting close on the left. Go to the port. Go to the starboard. So, I mean, we've, we've really – this really is a team, a team uh, thing. I think that's three. I could probably give you more, but I'll stop there. So – yeah, man, this has been a great conversation. I think it's going to be very useful and helpful for folks. And and as as we had conversation before you and I, I just love your openness. I love how just authentic and transparent you are, and that you're you know you're willing to put it out there. And um, I, I feel like that's just um, a, a a big void in our world today that people just find a way to you know have a workaround in what they say and how they answer. But with you, there's no workarounds, and I like that. You know, it's interesting. And from a business, I mean, this is a business lesson. When you can get over yourself and recognize that you don't have to be perfect in order to attract clients, <laughs> people are, are attracted to uh, authenticity. People are attracted to people who are appear, appear real. And the other thing is, even when you're perceived to be a guru or a super smart person, if you can show that you actually have a couple flaws because, yes, you're human too, that is attractive. And so you know, I, I kind of mangle the English language on occasion or I'll say the wrong thing, but it's okay because I've got some good stuff to share. And, I, you know, there's an expression we've all heard, the truth shall set you free. If you just get over yourself and be who you are 
and not worry about sounding super smart, super intelligent, <laughs> you know, you're actually going to do good things for your business. And, and I think also I'm just, I feel very blessed, first of all, to be alive because <laughs> I went through that pretty scary thing. But I think there's a lot to be said when you, and I, I don't know whether it's giving back, paying it forward, serving others, but when you can openly share the good stuff and not, and not every answer that you give is laced with a URL, which goes mm -hmm. to your book or goes to your website, I think people are attracted to that as well. And having said that, I'm sure you're going to ask me where people can connect with me. There you that, go. That was exactly right the next it. question I was going to ask. <laughs> so yeah, so, so let us know, let our listeners know where they can connect with you, Jim. And, and by the way, that was an un unrehearsed answer of me putting my foot in my mouth because I said the hey, URL. Hey, didn't we just get done saying we're not perfect? Well, I know. What? So I, you know what? I have to forgive myself. Um, so my home base is getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com, and people can learn about my coaching or my live events, Dream Business Academy, or get all kinds of information. If we've talked an awful lot about my book, just say yes. I'm giving away free copies of that right now. Um, at justsayyesbook.com, justsayyesbook.com. Um, we will, we ask for six ninety five to cover shipping and handling, but, um, we'll, we even mail it overseas. Gosh, we sent out like three or four yesterday to Newfoundland and all it's like 28 or $32 postage, bill, but it's still six ninety five <laughs> just wow. to make it easy. And uh, we'll ship that out actually within uh, 24 hours, unless it's Sunday. Cause like Chick-fil-A, I give my team the day off. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations. Always remember you can be more, do more, and have more. Your current condition does not match your emerging future. Anything worth having is uphill. However, you cannot go uphill with downhill habits. But most importantly, you will see myself, Megan, and Jim out there on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.